0: All right, welcome back to Men in Marriage. This is season two. My name is Lamar Dixon. Uh, today's guest I have with me, Brother George Tolbert. He is a 16-year marriage veteran. He is—he uh, has two kids. He has uh, two businesses. He's also a, uh, a fundraiser consultant, as well as a health and wellness consultant. Uh, business owner, excuse me. Uh, welcome, Brother George Tolbert.
1: Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I appreciate you for coming on. Definitely, absolutely. Yes. So before we jump into the questions, um, as, as usual, uh, I have three questions uh, I ask all of the guests, um, after which we'll have open dialogue to continue to discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. Or uh, if you have questions uh, that you want to pose as well. Yeah. But before we get into that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I know I did a quick intro, but uh, anything else that you want to add?
1: Yeah, man, like you said, husband and father, 16 years for the husband part, uh, 11 years for the for my oldest, and uh, eight years for my youngest. Uh, originally from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I did a lot of studying. <laughs> I went to Xavier in New Orleans and studied pharmacy and uh, chemistry and, and ended up doing none of it. Uh, but I'm really grateful for that journey. Looking back on it now, of course, with 2020 hindsight. Um, because I was not designed to work in a pharmacy. I was uniquely designed to get to do the work that I do now. So, yeah, that's about it, man. I'm excited about these questions, really to get right into it.
0: Hey, man, say no more. <laughs> we'll just jump right into it then. So yeah. um, last season, I had three questions. Uh, this season, we're switching it up to three different questions. Uh, the very first question I have for you, brother, is, I'm sorry, Let me let me back up real quick. Me and brother George Tolbert know each other through our fraternity, Alpha Phi Fraternity Incorporated. That's yes, how sir. I met his brother. He's a very good brother. Um, we, we're doing some, some, some good things within the community. Uh, and he lives in uh, a different side of town than I do, but yet we're, we're coming together and still trying to uplift the community in which we are trying to serve. So Absolutely. a little quick background of Absolutely. how we know each other. Uh, but first question, What is a man's role in marriage, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, so I really like a definition that Miles Monroe, great pastor, leader, um, Bahamian man of God said years ago, he was teaching from Genesis chapter two. And if you, for those that don't know, that's the part where Adam was created, right? And he said at that time, God gave a man three responsibilities the first responsibility was to work um, because he he put him to work right he had him name the animals had him uh you know figure out a lot whatever that was his primary job he told him to work, work the, the land
0: and all that
1: yeah. To cultivate that was the mm-hmm. second one right so he told him secondly i want you to cultivate i want you to build like you said, tend to the garden, manage what I've given you. And lastly, he wants them to protect, right? Be a protector of the wife that he gave them, as well as the land and uh, the animals. And so I think that that model was established way back in that time to give us a model as men to know what, what we're supposed to do in our homes and for our families. We work, we are, we are the chief gardeners of our home. We're always supposed to be like checking in, you know, when our wives tell us, hey, this is what's going on with the kids. All right. Now we got to go cultivate or we got to go to make sure that they're okay emotionally. And then we protect. And that's not always a physical, aggressive thing. But a lot of times that means, you know, you have to separate from folks that there may not be feeding your family the right food um, mentally. So they might be negative people. You got to protect your family from negative people. You got to protect your family from um, potential dangers that may not be, a, everybody else may not be aware of. So, I, I in my humble opinion, those are the three. Those are the three main things a man has to do.
0: Now, I like that work, manage, protect, uh, simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you said uh, that the protecting is not necessarily aggressive, I, I really yeah. like that and how you, how you frame that. It, as soon as you yeah. said it, uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was, when I was younger and we was getting on my mother's nerve because my dad was at work. The first mm-hmm. thing she would do is call my father mm-hmm. because he is managing the household even though he is not there. Because it's his job to protect, you know, his, his wife at that, you know. Hey man,
1: nothing rings in a kid's ears like I'm gonna tell you that. <laughs> like <laughs> that is like cold red. You right. Tell a kid that it shuts everything down quickly. And there's a reason for that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. A man's man. a man's he don't even have to be in a row, just a man's voice. That's he, it. You know, he demands, you know, that respect and uh, and don't let him say, wait till I get home. That's oh, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: had time to think about what he's gonna do to get. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and you but you is know how Adamo- absolutely man. And, and to that point, man, that's why it's so essential for us when we get to be present in our homes, right? Because it allows us to serve in that capacity in such a way that it, it allows everyone else to uniquely uniquely do and be who they're supposed to be. So the wife never has to feel like she has to play multiple roles. The kids don't have to feel like they got to grow up too fast. I mean, everything was designed in a way so that um, it can flow and hopefully society can be better starting with the nucleus of family.
0: Man, I love the way that you just framed and work that whole thing, man. It's just nice. It, just nice. It, it works. And I 100% mm-hmm. agree with you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in, in my mind, I believe that, you know what I'm saying, a man's role uh, in marriage is pretty much exactly spot on what you just mentioned. The only thing that I would add to that um, is to... Uh, someone, someone once told me that a man's job is a thankless job so uh do all of the things that you just mentioned, not because you're, you're doing it for the praise or the accolades that come with it, but because that's what you're supposed to do. So Absolutely. even during those tough times, you know, because you're the man and you're supposed to be doing these things, because you're the head of the household, in order of God's, you know, ministry is you know, God, man, wife, family, kids, everything like that. So, mm-hmm. in the order of that, so if you're not Looking to your family for those praises because you're serving someone else.
1: That's good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I think my my father in law said it best one time. I asked him. He and my mother in law got rest her soul. They had been married almost fifty years, mm. and I and I asked him. I said, you know what, what kept you, you know, focused and engaged in your marriage for so long, and his and his answer was simple and straight to the point he was like I was loyal to the, I'm loyal to the decision flat out it doesn't have anything to do how I feel about it. it doesn't have anything to do with love ultimately it's what you just said is that as a man I know that I made a conscious decision to serve in this capacity and whether I get thanks or praise for it or not how I feel about that is inconsequential like and and those are the things that like will help us as men yeah. as we go through each day, like right as we as we as we face each trial, as we you know work with the members of our family, and and we feel that pressure that only a man will ever know. Um, we don't run from it because of the loyalty to that decision.
0: Man, that's that's even more powerful than what you said before. <laughs> well, he's, he
1: he said it. So I, I, I know, I
0: Those that, wise words, man. If you said yeah, almost fifty years of marriage, man. That's yeah. loyal yeah. to your decision. That is, that is Loyal good. to the
1: decision. Yeah. Yeah. If a person's trying to lose weight, it's not. It's not. Do I feel like going to the gym? Does the healthy food taste good? Right. You're loyal to the decision of wanting to see your end result. Mm-hmm. And so, if at any point when we decide in that journey that we want to not work out that day or we don't want to eat healthy that day. Ultimately what we're saying is is we're not loyal, fully loyal to that decision. And it makes cheap day become cheap days and then cheap right. weeks and cheap what right. month. Same thing in the relationship, right? Is that it becomes easier to open up that Pandora's box of infidelity when we make the choice not to be loyal to the decision despite what we're facing inside of
0: our home. Man, that's great. Love it, I love it. Um, so any any other discussion on, on the first question or we can move on to the next one? No, that's good. Man, man I think you I nailed mean, that one on pretty good. I'm yeah, curious yeah, about man. this next one. So. so question number two is, uh, do you believe a man's ego has to be stroked from time to time In a marriage.
1: Um, I think that it is essential, um, depending on if words of affirmation is that man's love language. If words of affirmation for those of you who who not be aware, like there's a book called The Five Love Languages, right? By Mm -hmm. By Gary Chapman, right? And so um one of those is love of affirmation. If you if you try to stroke an ego of a man whose, whose love language is not words of affirmation, you might just be going through the formality of things. Right. And it might, of course, blow smoke up him and make him feel the machismo of being a man, but it may not pierce his heart the way his real love language actually would. And so I think that more work needs to go with, to answer your question, I think it's more valuable to put more effort into the discovery of that man's unique love language than to encapsulate him in the, in the, in the um, category of all men, right? To, to make him a monolith and just say, all right, well, well, you automatically are a man and you automatically need your ego stroke. It may not do it for him and to be aware that like sometimes that can change throughout the course of his development as a man. So what he needed, yeah, so what he what he needed at, when you met him in his early 20s, he may not need and it may be those those words of affirmation in his ego stroke. And the reason why I say that is, is because physiologically, a man's testosterone drops by the time they get to 35, 40, into their 50s. Um, their self-confidence is, is statistically known to drop as well. And then it may be at that point in his life that he does need to be reaffirmed and his ego needs to be stroked. But when a man's at the height of his testosterone in 19 or 25, he's ready to jump off a building. You can't tell him nothing. Right? right. And so and so I think that, you know, it just depends on the man. Number one. And then secondly, it depends on the, where that man is in his in manhood and is that essential to him uniquely to receive
0: so so let me let me hit you with this yeah yeah I oh, I understand what you're saying but let me let me say this what if like as you mentioned a man and anybody really a man or a woman their progression in life changes over time you know right. what you liked you know 20 years ago was different than what you like now so right. The ego could be a multitude of things. You you mentioned the five love languages. So I can have one of those five love languages, you know, each different part of time in my life. And I need my ego for each one of those love languages stroked, Mm. you know, per se, at different times in my my life, exactly what Mm -hmm. you're saying. But Mm -hmm. if I needed the words of confirmation, you know, earlier on, that's my ego because I, you know, grew up and that's all I heard was words of confirmation, words yeah, of affirmation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, if you, if you assign, what I hear you saying is, is you're assigning ego to all of those love language characteristics ba- as yeah. a type, as a type of ego. So like, let's just say yes. acts of service. Yes. When you serve me, that is really making me feel like I'm the man and I'm getting served. Right. Um. I think I think that could be true as well, and if you put it in that context, then yes, you would need your ego trope. Um, But I also believe that um, in relationships, the ego has a different place than the heart, and and when you're when you're in a really intimate relationships like, like marriage, it's important to be like a sniper for your spouse's heart. Like that's what you're always aiming at. Now, granted, if you hit the ego, you're going to get some bonus points as well. You're winning in their book. They'll feel good. Yes. Right. I think, however, in that same vein, if you aim directly for the heart, you'll get more out of them in return and you'll see a greater return on your efforts because there's been many times in my marriage where my wife may have done something that may, was, was supposed to stroke my ego. But because I was either too hard on myself, I wasn't even able to receive the ego stroke. Right, right. But if she served me, and that's not only an ego stroke, but it is a love language. Well, now she's like done like 80% love, 20% ego stroke. She's going to get a greater return and I'm going to feel a greater return out of that. Right. And so that's, that's why I say, you know, of course, on the surface level, absolutely. Every man does need to know that he's still the man. He is the man. He's uniquely your man. But I think that more value will be added on both sides for both their joint relationship and as individuals. Um, specifically, because a lot of us as men, men are not trained to be in tune with our emotions enough to even be able to identify like what are your love languages and what makes you feel loved, because we we're like told to shut that off at ten with big boys don't cry. And so it becomes even more difficult to articulate those unique things, right? As time goes on and as you get older and the world calluses your heart because of the trials that you experience, it becomes straight up really what does love have to do with it, man? I'm in this for the practicalities of what marriage gives me. Mm -hmm. And that's it. My heart is not even connected to this.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I 100% get it. I do. So I just wanted to throw that Spin, I guess, a little bit on it yeah. because you can take that in, in multiple different ways and the way that you answered mm-hmm. the first time was, was spot on i just wanted to throw that that spin on it and see what you thought about that as well because yeah. as men i think that our egos as young men our egos is like at an all-time high absolutely but as you mature you get to understand that your ego is not worth a dime
1: it's very limited
0: it's, it's very limited, limited.
1: And that's, and that's why I made the statement is that I, and, and that's what I just learned about myself last Tuesday, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that, it's that recent and awareness that man, you know, this woman can verbally celebrate me all day long. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't hit home like this does right. and separate the two so that I know the difference when I'm even receiving it. And then I can give it back in gratitude mm-hmm. because offense is the biggest tool that can destroy a marriage. So being offended because either your efforts weren't received or the efforts given were not what landed uniquely for you can lead to years of defense, offense. And then you got people trying to figure out, like, well, man, they were married for 20, 30 years. Why'd they get divorced? Years of putting up a post of offense that led to offense, right? And separated uh, two couples, two people who at the who really do love each other, but they just can't seem to communicate on that level anymore because they're just too offended and hurt to care. Man, that's
0: that's great information as well. Man, you just. I'm, I'm glad we have you on this, this <laughs> podcast, brother. All right, man. <laughs> I, appreciate
1: right now. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the opportunity. I hope
0: other people are able to receive exactly what you're just mentioning and what you're saying, yeah. just to, uh, to meditate on some of those things, those key things that you're just mentioning about being not in tune with emotions and being in defense and offense and separating. So because, I mean, I thought when I was little that you know couples were never getting divorced. Uh, and then as I became married, uh, I said this previously before, and due to my ups and downs with my wife, you know, in my mind, I never really considered divorce until I actually got married and started going through those marital marital uh, trials and tribulations. But um, getting through those things with each other because of the communication is essential and key. Uh, and I like how you mentioned that.
1: Yeah, man, divorce is always an option unless you take it off the table. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one thing that my wife and I did in the very beginning. We we were advised by another couple that, you know, that couple told us is like we we said we never say divorce. And so by making that commitment early, when you're too naive to understand what that means and what you might have to go through, it it always serves as a a a foundation for you to go back to and just be like, hey. Look, I know this is tough what we're going through right now, but we said we would not say divorce. So that means we have to figure this out
0: together. And loyal to that decision.
1: Loyal to the decision, Doc. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it all day long. Loyal to the decision.
0: All right. So uh, we got through the first two questions. Uh, I think we're going to move on to the third question here. And uh, so the third one is, do you think a spouse or do you think your spouse should be your, your peace, or do you think that a spouse should be the man's peace?
1: Uh, so, what I hear you asking is, is is the spouse supposed to be a man's peace? Yes. And when you say peace, you mean like she does not give you any drama, she is um, kind, all makes herself available. When um, when intimacy intimacy is required, like all those things, do they fit under peace, or is it just like she don't cause no stress?
0: It's however you interpret it. This is an open, okay. open thing. So I, I can interpret it a different way. If you want me to, ask yeah, you the question first. yeah.
1: No, I want you to. I want you. I want to. I want to hear what because you know you came up with the question, so I want to hear like what's your what's your idea of this peace? Yeah. So peacing.
0: I'm speaking generally as well as okay. for myself. So sure, sure. when I hear is a spouse or is my wife supposed to be my piece? And my mm-hmm. answer is I would like to think so. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because as men and black men at that, there's so much noise outside of the house. And when I say yeah. noise, there's so many distractions, attractions, you know, things that are coming after you uh, the mm-hmm. devil is trying to work his way to separate you and the wife anyway. So whenever you do have a phone call with your wife, you see them in person, you come home after a hard day's work, or whatever it is, your peace in my mind is saying, I forgot everything that happened throughout the day, and I'm here and I'm in tune with you. That's my piece mm-hmm. because I don't know I no longer think about what happened throughout the day.
1: Yeah, and that's something I think... that
0: I want to celebrate and you know and you know bring her into.
1: Yeah, I, I think that sounds that's ideal. That's very ideal, and it is something that I can't see a man ever saying I don't want
0: because mm-hmm. you know
1: the opposite. We all know men who have to drink like eight beers at the bar before they come home, right? Because their wife is not their peace, right? right? It does not create a peaceful environment for them. But I would like to take that a, a step further and say yep. that. One of the challenges of placing the responsibility for your wife to be your peace, or for your husband to be your peace, is that when that person's not available emotionally to fit that role for you, then does that allow you to now have the all rights and privileges to come up, up as James Brown said in the movie, come outside yourself and, and now not be peaceful. Um, and I say that because one of the greatest times in me developing as a man had nothing to do with my wife. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there's a lot of development as a man that I can attribute to my wife and kids, specifically selfishness. Like I would still be extremely selfish if I did not have wife, a wife and kid, right? Um, but I will say that I did a study one time and it was about caring for your soul. And it, it remarked that there are three parts of an individual. You have a sufferer, a strayer, and a self-righteous part of yourself. Now, if the sufferer feels the ills in the world and it's sad about them, drags them down, sometimes even low to the point of depression, the strayer is the one that doesn't want to do anything righteous at all. In fact, the actions of the sufferer in order to feel good oftentimes looks for the strayer because the strayer knows the quickest exit to go do something to make you have a quick fix and feel good. And then you have the self-righteous man that always speaks and shoulds, like you should know me better by now, or I should be further along than I am right now, or they should not do that because they should know better. Uh, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Like that's all the self-righteousness of humanity. And so what I learned in that study was that it's essential for me to take time and learn those voices inside of myself. And when I hear those voices, figure out who has the mic and whose voice needs to be turned down so that they can be able to receive the truth of whatever situation that they're evaluating. Mm-hmm. Now... When I did that, it didn't matter who was my peace. It didn't matter if my wife was available to be my peace or not. It didn't matter if my kids were being peaceful or they being raising boys in the house. It, it didn't matter because at all times, I was able to identify in myself what's going on. It, am, am I being self-righteous? and saying my wife should know me by now. We've been together since 1999, way before cash money took over for the 9000 2000. <laughs> She's been with me that long. We saw Lil Wayne grow up from 12-year-old yeah. Wayne to grown Wayne. She knows me, right? That's the self-righteous me. Or am I, am I going to be a sufferer? And am I going to say, man, you know, this is not fair. You know, I got to come home to this and things aren't the way I like them and This is just making me upset. Or am I going to be a strayer that just, you know what, skip this whole thing. I know a a woman who told me that she don't kiss and tell. And whenever I need a shoulder to cry on, she makes herself available. Mm -hmm. All three of those are in me at all times. And they all have spoken in the tune of what I just articulated to. you. But it is my responsibility to center and know my own three Triumph is what I call it, the human triumph, three parts. And so I got to know those three parts of myself so that I know how to be present and be in relationship with everyone else externally. It all—it goes back to that great philosopher, Lauren Hill. They said, how are you going to win if you ain't right within? Right. The process of becoming right within, what I am discovering, has to do with figuring out those three. And when we figure out those three inside of ourselves, then we can be in peaceful relationship with everyone, no matter what their side of the offering is giving. And I think that that is a place where as men, we we will have to grow to in order to see those 40, 50, 60 years of marriage, because there's no way I can expect my wife who faces the same racism I do, but just as a female in an area where there, she is the minority on top of minority in a profession where she is the only, you know, she knows my same story, but from a female perspective. And so there's no way that I can expect peace from her all the time because she has to wear the same armor I do when Mm -hmm. she goes out to the house out of the house and works in the capacity she works in, right? And so, and and that's why I said when you mentioned what peace was to you, I said, man, that's the ideal. Mm-hmm. That is the ideal, and that is what we want. But to save ourselves from those times when it's not going to be there, I think that as men we have to begin to do the soul care for ourselves.
0: No, I, I like the way that we're like grabbing it from two different angles mm-hmm. how you know i have the ideal and then you grab it from a, a realistic i'll say realistic point of view yeah. Um, yeah which which both are very very valid they're, very they're true. both
1: they're both true they're both they're both deserving mm-hmm. right like you it's one of those things where like you're worth it let me say that we we are worth it as men to have a peaceful spouse. No man deserves to have a spouse that is not peaceful. Right. And so I'm not saying don't even look for it, don't expect it.
0: No, right.
1: You're worth it.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. But I'm also saying on the same side of the same, on the other side of the same coin, yeah. Make make sure that you have done enough soul care for yourself. So if need be, you can be your own peace. Right. Absolutely. And you won't give when we won't give ourselves an out because there's so many opportunities in marriage to give yourself an out. Like to say that she ain't being peaceful on last Thursday, therefore by Sunday, if if she don't circle back with that peace, and I can be like peace. Right. And then right. I can go find a girl that I know gives me peace.
0: Right, exactly. And and it goes both ways, you know, for it him, goes both, but, for both yeah. from, uh, the man and the and the woman. So mm-hmm. if you're expecting peace from her, then you gotta be you know what I'm saying she gotta be Absolutely. expecting peace from you as well. And you gotta leave it. Take...
1: Yeah, because like you know, like we started off the conversation with the roles that Adam was given, in order to cultivate, you have to have the tools yourself to do that work of cultivation, right? Mm-hmm. So to be a gardener, I can't be a gardener and you know just only use one tool. Right. And I'm taking that same pick just in all situations, I'm using that tool, you know, and, and it's important to know that yes, we have to, if we're going to cultivate a good garden, make sure that we are being our the piece for our wives as well. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's like that cliche that says, the grass is not always green on the other side, it's green where you water
0: Absolutely, I, I agree with all of those things. And I also like to say or mention, um, man, I just lost my train of thought.
1: <laughs> It'll come back to you.
0: Yeah, it, will. it was a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, but I, I definitely appreciate your your, your point of view and yeah. and also mentioning that you know it it does go both ways. So we're we're talking to to men, but we're we're also letting men know, hey, you got to be her piece as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and 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 lead the way in that peace effort. You know, I mean, there was a reason why, you know, the the commandments of of what to do were given to Adam first. It's not because Adam was better. It's not because he just because he had more muscle mass it wasn't because of anything else other than the fact that the expectation is there on the man to lead the way in that you know I, that's why when you look at books of the bible like hosea and hosea was told to go marry a harlot in the in the in the streets and the representation of that was to represent how god always would be there for israel to take them back. So even though they were an unfaithful bride, which she was, you always had, he, he's always there to take us back. Right. And so in, in terms of, of our marriage, man, it it was a, it was something that was given to the man first. This is the task that I want you to take on behalf of your family. And if you can do it, like you said earlier, it flows from the top down. So if, if, it, if the man does it, and then the wife will. And if the wife does it, then the kids will. And the whole family gets to experience the benefit of that.
0: Yep. And I, I remember what I was thinking also. So yeah, yeah. It, it basically exactly what you was just alluding to. But just like at a, at a job, if you are you know you work for somebody or you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, I would not tell anybody to do something that I have not done myself. That's right. So if I'm asking her to be my peace, I have to show her peace as well because I'm not going to ask you to do something that I haven't done or shown. That's right. As well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be we would be digging from a a empty well. Right. Like she can't she can't pour out what's not poured in. Exactly. And and if, and, and if she does, you can be guaranteed that it's going to be the most bitter taste and love you've ever. It's gonna be, it's gonna be given out of obligation Mm -hmm. versus given out of just love and gratitude. You know, obligate, obligatory, if that's a word. If it isn't, we just made it up tonight.
0: Yeah, I made that one up.
1: Yeah, it's like it's one of those. But basically, love given out of obligation, in essence, man, is the worst. It is the absolute worst to feel someone's loving you because they just feel like it's their duty. Right, You know, it almost looks like Sealy with Mr. in the color purple, you know, it's like, she got no gratification out of spending time with him. And, and he was just like, she said there to do his business, you know? And so it's, it doesn't be, it doesn't breed for a loving, fruitful relationship
0: at all. I think that all three of those questions you nailed on the head Oh, man. Uh, I definitely appreciate your insight and wisdom, yeah. and even yeah, from different experiences and people that you know. What I'm saying maybe gave you a couple of gems, like the the very first one that you mentioned, which I still love is loyal to the decision.
1: Loyal to the decision, Sam Moses. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
0: we we we've come to the uh, the point to where it's now open discussion and dialogue that we can continue to have discussion on what we just mentioned or what we're talking about. Or if you have any questions that you wanna pose, we can have a conversation about those as well. So I, I the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, man, I think, you know, I really wanted to drive home that whole point of the last thing that I mentioned about the soul care. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I have have literally found that to be one of the most beneficial tools in the last literally two years of our marriage that you mean to tell me this entire time, this is how as a man, I can be a thermostat in my home. Like I can literally control the temperature of my home if I am self-aware enough of what's going on inside of me because it's very difficult to not only just lead, but to show and be loving if we know that on the inside of us, things are tumultuous. So for example, you know, when I get hungry, I am not the nicest dude on the planet. Like I am, I get hangry beyond hangry. And my wife will tell anybody's like when George hasn't eaten, I just move out the way, right? But what I what I ended up telling her one time is like, you know, I appreciate that you know that I get hangry and that, you know, it's best for you to just make sure to move out of the way. But what would really help me feel loved in that moment is for you to feed me. Like if you if you had the food already ready to prevent me from turning green you know, and, and hawk smashing the kids, you know, then, then I think that that would, you'd be killing two birds with one stone. You would not only be providing satiation and satiety for a man that's hungry, but then you'd also be feeding my love language of acts of service. And the return on that awareness only came from when I actually started listening to myself when I got hungry. Like, what was some of the thoughts I was having? It was ugly, man. I was like, I would say stuff like, man, I don't think anybody in this house cares about me. Mm-hmm. My wife did not even care about me. My, my kids, just they only ask me for stuff. Right. And this is ridiculous, man. I don't understand. And that's what was making me angry were the thoughts. not it wasn't, it wasn't my stomach rumbling. It wasn't anything physical. It was my thought process while I was hungry. Mm-hmm. that was destructive. So now I've gotten to the point where when those thoughts start coming, I'll say to myself, man, that's really loud in my head. Am I getting hungry? Let me, let me go get a snack or something. Right. And then once I do, then I was like, all right, well, I guess I can reevaluate that thought again and see if there is any truth to it. And now the reason why I'm bringing this up is it, it may sound kind of you know common sense-like, But I look back on my parents' marriage, who divorced each other after 33 years of marriage. And since they got divorced, I've been just, like, researching the annals of my brain, trying to figure out what happened. Because on the outside, it looked like a healthy marriage. If if, if if Facebook was out then, they'd have the best profile pic and the cover photo to just to show everyone, hey, we're happy. But when I look back, I remember moments of my dad sitting there just being upset because he felt like he didn't have any help around the house from my mom. And I remember my mom feeling upset because she felt like she was working so hard and nobody was there to support. her. Mm. So here they are venting all these frustrations to the kid who can't do a God darn thing about it. right? When if they could have resolved some things with themselves and then had honest conversation with each other, um, then things would be would, may have been different. The last thing I'm going to say is the other thing that I learned from those three things is how to effectively communicate through what's known as active listening or the Imago dialogue. So the Imago dialogue is a it means the heart of, of God through communication, which is pretty much the same as active listening. When you hear someone say, so what I hear you saying is you're affirming that you you heard the message that came from your spouse clearly, so that you can, re, you can retort with a response that speaks directly to their concern. And ultimately, because they feel heard, you speak to their heart. So you're doing two things at once. Like you saying what I hear you saying is, is dot, 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 dot. Yep. Wow, he's actually listening. Right. That makes me feel special, heard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you not only do that, but because you heard it quickly, clearly, you can address it appropriately. And the only reason I was able to hear clearly is because I had done enough soul care to be aware of where I was mentally and to make sure that my brain wasn't cluttered with the noise that was going on inside my own head. Because if I've got too much noise going on in my side, own head, whether I'm aware of the noise or not, I'll either hear you clearly or block you out totally.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I get that. And I can't think of the name of the book that I'm thinking of right now, but um, there's a book about marriage uh, where uh, the female here is pink and the man hears blue. So basically, mm-hmm. when a male is talking or a female is talking, they hear the they hear the total opposite of what they think that they're hearing. So mm-hmm. to effectively communicate, like you just mentioned, it's like what I hear you saying is X Y Z. Let mm-hmm. them know that hey, I am trying to hear what you're trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm hearing you wrong. So it goes back right. to that communication is key, which you know I've said this plenty of times in this podcast is that you know. One, it's, it is cliche to say is that, you know, communication keeps people together, but that is such a baseline for it is uh, marriages.
1: It is. And intentional communication. Yes. You know, like when, when you get intentional about, you know, I wish that that word intentional would have been added to the advice of communication is key. Because when it's intentional, then it's based on something that is clear and defined specifically expectations because people ask me all the time. It's like George, man. All right. So you and Dana have been together, you know, almost 20, 20 plus years, right? 25 years or so almost. And in that time timeframe, uh, y'all you're telling me that communication has kept you guys together. Um, I'll tell them, yes, communication has kept us together. But what what solidified and kept us together even better than that was being clear on expectations. Because a lot of people try to make marriage feel like it's not different than us living together. Mm -hmm. But I, I make it very clear to somebody is that when you actually get married, what you're essentially doing is, is you're assigning roles and receiving expectations. And if you don't know what those roles are, and you don't know what those expectations are, I guarantee you, you are in for a bumpy ride.
0: Man, what you say? And
1: and so, like, getting to the point where I can say, all right, what I expect from a a wife is this. Man, it's the worst thing in the world to think you're getting one thing in the title of a wife, but they don't have the capacity to do that. Not because they don't love you, but they just can't. They they suck at cooking, Mm -hmm. right? So you might think you're getting... A wife, mother, that is able to do that, 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 and she is strictly professional. Like I am, I am straight career driven. I am, you know, social. But when it comes to this kitchen, this is kryptonite for me. And what does that mean for you now? Being that the expectation has now been let down,
0: right?
1: And so again, this goes back to understanding. All right, you're going to have. This is where the the triune of a man and a woman come into play. Where that self-righteous part of you is gonna be like, she knew when we got married that the expectation was for a wife to do this, 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 and this. She should have cooked, to, should have took a class or watched some Rachel Ray in the afternoon or something to learn a recipe or something. So that I mean, she watched all these cooking shows all the time. She don't like, she ain't learned nothing in all these years, man. All I see her doing is watching shows and turning them off, but she don't turn on the stove after she turn off the show. Like, all these thoughts are, are going through your head, and it's like, all right, you've had the mic long enough. Let me take this self-righteous hat off and give her grace. Where is she winning? What is she contributing to our house? What is she good at? How about I affirm what she's good at and make that chiefly her responsibility? Right. So now, when she comes in and she does that, she feels like she's winning because she knows that her husband appreciates that.
0: Right, right. Man, there's so many different levels to, to marriage, with, yeah, you know, from, from the communication to the expectations and all of that stuff. So everything yeah. that you're spitting right now is key, key information, yeah. because... Uh, the the puppy love i guess you could call it you know when you first meet somebody and you 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 dating and you think that oh i, I love this person and mm-hmm. then you want to get married and then you get married and you expect the same things to happen when you were just dating to happen for the rest of your life and it doesn't it's because of that communication and that setting those expectations and roles and things that we just already talked about yeah. And because both of you guys are
1: growing, like you said that earlier, yeah. right? Like you, you evolve, your thinking changes over time. So you're, So here's a thought that I just had. Now, what if the issue is, is that I want that old thing back from when we were 19, early 20s, but I'm not even that old thing dude. Mm-hmm. So even if I got the old thing back, how long would that satisfy me for what I'm expecting from my spouse to get Right. So I'm I'm sitting here expecting my spouse, man. And you you were this 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 and this when we started dating, but that's not who I am anymore. So what what does that look like for us now through dialogue and conversation to come back to the table and say, all right, look, this is where I am now. This is where you are now. I love how you know I'm a huge fan of gospel hip hop, and there's an artist by the name of Show Baraka, and one of the lyrics that he says, man, he says. Um, it's a song he has on his album called The Talented Tenth called Cliff and Cliff and Claire. And like Heath Cliff and Claire Huxley. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so one of the last bars that he spits, he's he says that, and I'm gonna paraphrase it because I, I always mess it up. He says that love is something that cannot that needs to be taken advantage of. Love is a call to action. Love is my giving for your benefit. It's a call to action, even when the other person ain't feeling. It. So love always requires for us to step up in a position of, of service and, and giving and action, even when we don't really understand or feel like loving. That's why when a person says they fell out of love, it's like, well, you, were, you, you really weren't in love. Like love, love has nothing, it's loyal to the decision. Right. It has, it has nothing to do with how you feel about it. It requires you to show up no matter what. My sons can do something to piss me off tonight and they need me tomorrow and love will make me go meet the need and forget totally about what they did
0: last night. Yeah, bro. It, it could happen in the same day.
1: It can happen in the same day.
0: It It literally can happen. It is that clear and precise.
1: That's right. That's right. And so us as men, understanding that this is what true love allows us to do and what we get to do, should challenge us to always be willing to do the hard work on ourselves so that we can become more available to the ones who we say we love. Mm-hmm. The harder you work on it, I heard somebody when I first started my first business back in 2011, sometime between 2011 and 2013, man, everybody was heavy on Jim Rohn. Like, That's like the entrepreneur's daddy because <laughs> he's in like every video. Everybody's like Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn. Well, one of the things he said in one of his motivational videos is that you have to work harder on yourself than you do on your business. And I didn't understand that. Until years later, I was like, oh, that makes sense. See, if I have some discipline about myself and how I take care of myself, then automatically indirectly my business practices will improve. So example, if I take if I take character seriously in my personal life, then character in business is just gonna be like a default because that's just my operating system is character. If I take relationships over revenue and in my personal life, like, man, I am all about quality relationships. If that means a lot to me personally, then it can transfer to business-wise. And then now a person doesn't feel like every time they do business with me, they're losing something, but they they can always feel value every time we're in the middle of of doing an exchange, right? And so I just think, I. and the same thing goes for our marriages and our families, man, it's just so important as a man to be willing to do that shadow work and hard work on yourself.
0: Well, I 100 percent agree. You definitely need to work on yourself even before you get into a marriage because you mm-hmm. can't expect certain things if you haven't, you know what I'm saying, worked on yourself. That's right. Um, I like you said to, I agree with you. When you said love is an action. It can be an emotion as well. But for me, I, I, you know, love is an action. You have to show me certain things to show, you know, for mm-hmm. me to receive love um one thing that i also said you know even back when i was early in 20s even even before then um just through my relationship with you know going to church and other people one thing that i've always said and i continue to say it to this day your life is not for you to live it's for you to live for others that makes any sense Mm -hmm. so my my life You know, saying when I was a young man, I thought that, you know, hey, I'm getting money, I'm getting job, I'm getting X, Y, and Z. But as you grow older, you mature, you start understanding the ways of the world and things like that. Like, I am wanting to provide a lifestyle and things for other people so I can be Mm -hmm. a conduit for them to be great. That's
1: good. Yep. I had to look up this quote, man, that I was trying to get from Show Baraka because I wasn't doing it enough justice. All so right. he said, he said, love ain't love unless it's, it can be taken advantage of. Love is a commitment at, I expense, at my expense for your benefit. It's a call to action when the server ain't feeling it. I thought that that was yes. like su- such a like realistic, flat out, undeniable truth is mm-hmm. that is it, it, that like, it, it shows up when you're not feeling it. It's a commitment at my expense for your benefit. So it, it, it has to cost you something to be in love. It's, it's not always like, you know, the, who is that? Paula Abdul or Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Like that attitude and position, Jackson. Janet Jackson. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not always that, that, that tone because there may be some times when, when there's nothing that has been done for you lately. But because it's a commitment at my expense for your benefit,
0: Dude. then I've
1: got to show up when I don't even feel like it.
0: Loyal to the decision. Loyal
1: to the decision. And that, <laughs> that is the, that's the take-home message for the day. That is the take-home message <laughs> for the day.
0: And, it, and it, it goes back, that that quote is basically exactly what I just said for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My life until I'm until no longer breathing, my life yeah. is not for me to live, it's not for me, it's for me it's not. to live for others. That's it, that's it. Otherwise, it's not love, that's right, it's not love. Yeah, brother Tobert man, I definitely appreciate you this evening. Man, you dropped gems throughout this podcast, and I, I took a bunch of notes, and uh, I, I just want to. Thank you again for coming on and, and joining me, answering those three questions, and then just dropping off a whole bunch of gems at the end there, and uh, as well as giving me some quotes from some other uh, some other people. I definitely yeah, thank you, brother.
1: Man, thank you for trusting me with this space, man. This is very special what you're doing. And I know, I hope it adds a lot of value to
0: somebody's life for sure. I, I definitely hope so as well. So, so in closing, um, we did talk about a lot of different things here. Um, but loyalty to the decision is a theme for this evening. Uh, <laughs> one thing that I want to get from you is for your, your personal businesses that you have going on, do you have uh, a, a you know a website or IG or Facebook or TikTok or anything that you want to promote right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, the fundraising company is like the huge passion of mine. Um, it's literally like that thing that I believe if my grandfather was alive in this day and time, he would have done, but because he grew up in a time when a black man's position and authority primarily came from what was your title in the black church, he he had to settle to be a janitor and a Pullman Porter. And so the charisma, the ability to communicate, um, the networking all came from him. And so I get to work and operate in that space using that gift. And so that's probably like the one I enjoy the most. Um, It's called the Poor's Network. Website is thepores.network. That's it. So, thepores, like pours a drink of water.network. Um, if you're in the Nashville area, stay tuned. Plan to open up a nutrition shop within the next six months that's going to provide um, individual shakes, teas, drinks, protein donuts, and protein waffles. Um, and socials, you can find me at the second uh, with number two, N.D. George on both Twitter and Instagram. And then George V. Tolbert, the second on Facebook and LinkedIn.
0: Definitely plug in if you can to this gentleman, it got some great things that are happening in the future as well as already in process. Uh, So again, brother Tolbert, I definitely appreciate you this evening. Thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you for dropping these gems and I hope they, We do bless somebody who may be listening to this podcast.
1: Indeed, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So this is, again, Men in Marriage podcast. This is season two. This is the first episode and we'll be definitely back again with another guest next time.